Well, today we're going to continue our series called The Miracle of Money. No. (laughs) The Miracle of Mercy. And if you missed some of our messages on mercy, uh, go to our website. Just listen online because God is using this series in our lives in, in a wonderful way. And we're looking at God's awesome, awesome mercy. And the fact that we receive any mercy from our holy God, creator of all that exists, is a flat out miracle. God didn't have to give us any mercy. God didn't have to show us any mercy. God didn't have to forgive our sins and say, come live with me in heaven. The fact that we get any mercy from God is a miracle. And yet God has shown us mercy again and again and again. But today as we talk about mercy, I want to shift the focus to showing the same mercy that we have received from our God to others around us. Because that is God's will for us. That's God's will for his church on earth. That we will be givers of mercy just like him. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5 verse 7, Jesus says this. Blessed are the merciful, for they, those who are merciful, they will be shown mercy. So here's the bottom line as we begin. You want mercy from God? Give it to others. You want mercy in your life from God? Offer it to others. You want mercy? Grant it to others. So write this down. Your mission is to add mercy to your personal ministry. As you live here on earth, God has given us all a calling, all gifts, all resources. And he wants you to add to all of that as you go out in your mission to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ, he wants you to add to that mercy. Go out and do your mission, do your ministry with mercy. You see, there's lots and lots of people in our society, lots and lots of churches who are very fervent about going out and making more and better disciples of Jesus. But there's no mercy in their approach. As they approach people, it's all word-driven. It's all fact-driven. It's all truth-driven. It's all fear-driven. Do this or you're going to miss the boat. And yet we're to model our approach to going out and making disciples of Jesus Christ after our merciful Savior, Jesus. So write this down. Mercy is loving acts. Or loving action. Mercy is more than just talk. It's more than just telling the word of God to somebody. Mercy is more than pitying somebody that's going through a tough time. Mercy is more than just feeling bad about somebody and what they're going through. Mercy is a loving act to your ministry towards someone who is suffering. Adding mercy To somebody is surfing. You know, adding mercy to like a storm disaster victim. It means adding mercy to a homeless person. Giving mercy to a prisoner. To someone who's sick. To someone who's thirsty and hungry. To the orphan. To the widow. To those grieving a loss. God wants us to Add mercy, which is a loving act of some kind, to those who are suffering. 
So when, when somebody says to you, hey, I've heard about so-and-so, he lost his job three months ago, poor guy. When somebody says that, Mercy says, man, I wonder what he needs. Let's go see how we can help him. Or when you hear somebody say, did you hear about the mom who's in the hospital? That poor woman? Mercy says, I wonder what she needs. Let's go find out and see how we can help her. You see, mercy is actually doing something to relieve the suffering of those in the body of Christ and for those who are not. Mercy is love in action toward others. And mercy's not afraid to go. Mercy's not afraid to get its hands dirty by helping others. And that's exactly what Jesus did for you and me. He saw our need. He saw our suffering. He saw that we were headed for hell instead of heaven. And so he decided to come help us. He decided to take on human flesh and come to earth as a man. And, and he decided to show us mercy by the loving act of dying to pay for our sins. So Jesus got involved when he saw our suffering. He got his hands dirty. He, he paid a, a, an awful price to do it on the cross. And yet he did it anyway. And now Jesus is asking us, his followers, his people, to do the same thing. He's asking us to go and show mercy to others. And when we do, we continue to get mercy from God in our times of suffering. So what does mercy look like? Well, Jesus gives us a really clear picture of what mercy looks like in the Bible. This kind of mercy that he wants us to add to our ministry, our ministry to others who are dealing with suffering. The Bible says this, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you're willing, you can heal me and you can make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, or we could insert mercy there, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Jesus then sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. And then as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Now, leprosy is not as common in our day as in Jesus' day, but in his day, it was widespread. There was no cure. It was a terminal disease. And first, it was a disease that killed the soul. And it killed the soul because it could, you were a person that could no longer be touched even by your loved ones. It killed the soul because you were considered to be unclean, not just unhealthy, but now you're unclean. You were considered sinful, and your leprosy was an outward sign of some inward moral failure. You were now cast out of your home. You were forced to live outside the city limit with other lepers. 
You are now forced to obey specific rules. And look at these rules. The Bible says the leper must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkept, cover the lower part of his face, and cry out wherever he walks, unclean, unclean. How devastating. How humiliating. Wherever you go. So as this man comes into the path of Jesus... Imagine his humiliation as he moves throughout the city. Unclean, unclean. Having done nothing wrong, except he got a disease. And yet being forced to wear torn clothes, leave his hair a mess, and shout as he walks. Unclean, stay away, I'm unclean. Leprosy first devastated the soul. And then second... It killed the body. You had to endure the pain of flesh rotting away. Folks, I get a splinter and I think I'm going to die. And all my concern goes to getting that splinter out. But can you imagine your flesh rotting away and enduring the pain and any wind or any water or anything that hits your flesh is excruciating To endure the lack of any kind of medication to bring relief. There was none. So a leper in Jesus' day was a lonely, walking, dead man. A leper banished from his family, from his friends, from his church. Banished from even worship services. But this leper, courageously and full of faith, walks up to Jesus in a public place. Shouting as he comes near, unclean. And the crowd around Jesus now backs up because if they touch this man that's unclean, they become unclean. And he falls to his knees. And Jesus says, and he says to Jesus, if you're willing, you can heal me, you can make me clean. And immediately Jesus, moved with mercy and compassion, reaches out and he touches him. I'm willing, he says, be healed. Folks, Jesus, I want us to understand, he did the unthinkable in his day. The unimaginable. He reached out and touched the rotting flesh of a leper. A rotting outcast. A a dying man with no hope. Folks, there are lots of people today who have been pushed to the outer borders of our society. People that are considered not worthy to talk with or listen to. People that are neglected due to some physical or emotional or mental condition. People that are neglected due to a lack of education or what we would call a normal financial situation. Folks, there are lots of people today that are pushed to the outer borders of our society who simply long to be seen and touched and valued. With this leper, Jesus modeled that there is more to ministry than just teaching the word. There is more to ministry than just giving some funds. There's more to ministry than just praying for those who are suffering. Jesus modeled that touching a person at the point of his need has got to come first. You see, Jesus modeled touching before speaking. The bottom line is this. 
People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Amen? You can tell them all the stuff in the Word. and You can tell them all about how Jesus has come into your life and changed your life and how great your church family is. And you can try to get them to come to church. But until they know you care for them, it's not going to make a difference. And I'm afraid that the worldwide body of Jesus Christ, the church, has lost its hands to touch. We, we've, we've lost our feet to go. And therefore, all that's left is our big mouth. Now, I, I want to say that I'm proud of our church family and that we, we go to Long Beach and we give and share with the hungry. We go to Juarez and we bless our, our brothers and sisters in Christ there who struggle far more than we can ever imagine with resources. We go to the Philippines. Our, our women go to care centers and, and minister to other elderly women. But folks, we need to do this more individually. We need to do this more corporately. But Jesus did the unthinkable in his day and he risked his reputation by touching someone that everybody knew was unclean. And yet he reached out and he showed us what a ministry of mercy looks like. Once again, look at this. Mercy is deciding to do something to relieve the suffering of those in the body of Christ and those who are not. But don't forget this last part and then actually doing it. We can sit in here and have all kinds of good intentions and we can decide we're going to go out and, and show greater mercy. But we have to actually do it. And Jesus decided to do something to relieve the suffering of the leper. He healed him. But then Jesus said some really strange things. What did he mean when he told the leper to go to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded? What did he mean? Look at this. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. What sacrifice? I mean, what's Jesus talking about? Well, Scripture goes on and says, the priest is to slaughter the lamb in the holy place where the sin offering and the burnt offering are slaughtered. The priest is to take some of the blood of the guilt offering and put it on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed on the thumb of the right hand, and on the big toe of the right foot. What? What's that all about? A lamb is to be sacrificed, the blood's to be put on the right ear lobe, the right thumb of the right hand, and the right toe of the big, of the big right foot. What's that all about? Well, that was the sacrifice to cleanse a leper. And so if a leper came in and and, and said, I, I think I'm clean. I, I, I don't think I have leprosy. And they would do all of that. That was a sacrifice for the cleansing. Okay, you're free now. You can go. And then the Bible says Moses slaughtered the lamb, ram and took some of its blood and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, on the big toe of his right foot. Moses also brought Aaron's sons forward and put some blood on their lobes of their right ears, thumbs of their right hands, and on the big toes of their right feet. What? Here's another lamb that's been sacrificed and his blood put on the right ear, right hand, and right big toe. What's that? That was the sacrifice 
for the cleansing of a priest. Here's the point. The blood sacrifice that cleanses the priest is the blood sacrifice that cleanses the leper. The blood sacrifice that makes a priest acceptable to holy God is the same blood sacrifice that makes the leper acceptable to God. So that means that there is nobody, priest, pastor, there is nobody who's so righteous that he doesn't need a cleansing. And there's nobody so unclean that they're beyond cleansing. Amen? Oh, come on. Talk to me. Amen? Amen. We can all be cleansed. So whether you are a priest or a leper, it's the same sacrifice for all of us. But we all need a lamb. We all need a Savior whose blood can cleanse us, and Jesus is our Savior. Amen? Amen. He's the lamb who shed his blood for us. But he didn't say, I'm going to put it on your lobe or on your toe or on your hand. He says, I'm going to wash you, and I'm going to make you whiter than snow with the blood I shed on the cross. That ought to have you guys shouting this morning. We all need a lamb, and he's our lamb. So Jesus added mercy to his ministry by touching and healing the leper, but then he went and offered his blood as a sacrifice to cleanse every sinner of his leprous spots. Now those of us who've been cleansed have the calling and the responsibility of showing mercy to the untouchables in our day and time. And like Jesus reaching out to them in his name and asking him to heal them in his name. So who are some of the lepers today? Who are are the ones who are physically distressed because of maybe sinful choices they've made? Who are the ones who are declared by our our society to, to kind of be untouchable, unclean, unworthy? Well, our society has given names to them like, well, they're the street people. They're the the hungry or the destitute. Uh, Over there, they're the drunks. They're the derelicts. They're the drug addicts. What about those who have HIV and AIDS? What about those who are pushed to the outskirts, back into the back alleys, outside the camp? Here's a big question. What are you willing to do with today's lepers? See, Jesus was willing to get involved. He was willing to touch all kinds of people with all kinds of problems and show them mercy. Not only this leper, but the woman caught in adultery, the demon-possessed man. What are you willing to do? Take a look at this. What's up with your box? That's not mine. Well, how long has it been here? Since before I got here. I don't know. It's not, my, it's not my problem. Well, what is it? It's a problem. Oh, a problem. Right. Well, should I look at it? Knock yourself out. Uh, but you might want to think about that. Oh, why? Well, like I said, that's a problem. Well... Whose problem is it? I don't know. It was here before I got here. So you don't know whose it is? No, and honestly, I don't really care. I've got more important things to do. Well, someone has to care. I mean, you can't just sit here forever. It's got to be someone's problem. Why? Why does it have to be someone's problem? Just don't look at it. Pretend it's not even there. 
Hey, <laughs> there is no problem. What? That doesn't make any sense to me. Okay, wait, so what you're saying is it, it's not your problem. Right. And it's not my problem. Yeah. Then whose problem is it? So the question comes back to it, to us. What are you willing to do when in your path there's a problem? You didn't create it, but in your path, like the leper came into Jesus' path, what are you willing to do? Are you going to turn your back on the problem? Or are you going to do what you can to show mercy, to reach out and touch? I mean, how, how, can, how can we be like Jesus if we're not willing to show mercy like Jesus? You see, Jesus doesn't wait for anybody to clean up their lives before he shows them mercy. Aren't we glad? Amen. <laughs> he doesn't wait. He doesn't wait for somebody else to deal with the problem standing in front of him. He shows mercy. He gives help. He reaches out. He touches people. And so if you want to continue to receive mercy, you have to show mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So your mission, my mission, is to add mercy to our ministries. And then write this down. Your ministry of mercy will result in answered prayers for you. Giving mercy to others causes God to give mercy to you. Here's the question. Have you been praying and asking God for mercy in some area of your life, but not a thing is happening? Have you been wondering why God sounds, looks like he's not even hearing your prayers? Why he's not answering you? Well, there's a group of people in the Old Testament who felt the very same way. They were praying, they were fasting, and it seemed like God wasn't hearing. No answers whatsoever. So God finally spoke to them through the prophet Isaiah, and this is what was said. Here's a few scriptures, so hang on with me. But this is what God said. He said, is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's hair, head like in prayer, like a reed? Or for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is this what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not the kind of, this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice? To untie cords of the yoke? To set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with your shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and to not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing of the finger and the malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Now hang with me. What could happen if all of our church family, or even just all of our small Bible study groups, what if 20-plus small groups 
would join together and not only fast and pray, but get involved in some kind of ministry where mercy could be given. Think about that. 20 groups of 10 or more, 200 plus adults alone. What could happen if 200 people were unleashed in a community to do acts of mercy? What could happen in that community? And how could we as God's church be blessed if we began to go and show mercy in the name of Jesus? The scripture says here, if we do that, that God will guide us, satisfy us, strengthen us, supply for us, sustain us, and help us rebuild and repair and restore what's broken. Whoa! If we just simply give mercy. Not only would others be helped through our acts of mercy, and not only would we make more and better disciples of Jesus in the process, but God says, if you go do that, I'll do this. I will hear your prayers. I will answer your prayers. I will bless you. In other words, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Folks, God wants us to do more than fast and pray. God wants us to do more than just hear the word and talk about the word. God wants us to show mercy to others in his name. So if your prayers are not being answered, It's time to stop and ask yourself if you're putting yourself in a position to receive mercy from God. Because the way you put yourself in a position to receive mercy is to show mercy, is to grant mercy, is to give mercy to others. Folks, we could change our community and our world for the better. We we could make more and better disciples of Jesus. We could have our prayers answered. We could experience all of those things by simply adding more mercy to our personal and church family ministry. That's our mission. And the result is your prayers being answered. Folks, look at this. Following Jesus' model of adding mercy to your ministry is a win-win scenario. As you give mercy, you get it back. Amen? It's a win-win. You show mercy, God blesses you back with with whatever you need. Because when you're merciful, you get mercy from God. So I want you to, to leave this place and begin to think about, begin to pray about, how can I begin to grow a ministry of mercy? Because if you'll do that, you'll begin to reap a harvest of mercy in your own life. God will bless you back. Blessed are the merciful, because they will be shown mercy. There's a song that that goes like this that I'd like to close with. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to sing it for you. But the song goes like this. Listen to these words. Look at them. As we follow your heart, God, as we follow your heart, we're led to the lost, finding there a place of praise no matter what the cost. So we will stand with the weak, give our most to the least, Serving you with all we have, your kingdom, God, we seek. Let's pray. As I pray this prayer, would you just consider praying it in your heart? Father God, I just want to praise you and thank you for the mercy you've shown to me. Today I commit to you to begin growing a ministry of mercy. Father, we all desire mercy. We all desire grace. We all desire compassion, forgiveness. Lord, you want it 
those things to start with us. So Lord, today we pray, let it start with us. Let us leave this place and walk into our community and be full of mercy. This afternoon, tonight, tomorrow, when we go to work, God, let us be full of mercy. We pray in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, amen.